Hello, everybody, and welcome to Platform Productions Cold Cuts, the show where nobody has read the script until you see us receiving the script. Tonight, we will be concluding Caroline Lesney's story, The Broadcast, the thrilling conclusion, because last time, the inspector struck the suitor off the list of suspects because he, uh, spent his time with the houseboy, as it were, and pitched her suspicion of the house guest guilt before she was interrupted by an attempt on the heiress's life. The end of episode five left us unsure of Miss Westwood's fate. Meanwhile, in the real world, John received a mysterious phone call from Artie, and Irene finally hears Felicity's voicemail on a cliffhanger ending. John opened the door to Felicity? Hmm? Maybe, maybe not. Holding a gun. So let's meet our actors for tonight. Actors, I want to know how you're feeling. We're coming to a very emotional, very stirring conclusion here. And I also have your predictions for this episode written out. So I would like, I would love to see kind of a compare contrast as to what you felt towards the beginning of this series and how you're feeling now, because we're getting to the end. We're going to know for sure who amongst you was right and who amongst you was wrong before the end of this evening. So let us get started. First up, we have James Johnston. James, you predicted yourself for both the murderer in the audio drama and the murderer in real life. How are you thinking about things now? Yep, never been wrong. Batting a, batting a thousand. <laughs> I feel good. Cool. So you think still Sebastian, even though the suitor has been knocked off the list because of his little encounter with the houseboy, you still think he was able to sneak out and sneak I back in? I think that we still might be able to pull up something. We still got uh, one, left, one last quarter left in the game. I'm sort of the Tom Brady of murder. It's always been able to come out at the very end and pull it off. So I'm really looking forward to today's game. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I am hoping for your sake that you continue never being wrong ever in your life. Never. Up next, we have Kevin Hauger. Kevin, your prediction was Irene and I don't know. Do you still think it's Irene and do you still not know? Well, I'm, yeah, I'm very sure about the I don't know option. No, I don't think it's Irene. We had a theory last time that maybe she was like the mastermind and that her receiving this voicemail was like a sign of things going wrong. But I don't think that that's true. I think... I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking that in the real world, there might not actually be a murderer. Like there's all this sort of paranoia because Artie went missing. But other than like the very first victim or else like if there was a murder, I don't know if it's related to our show. That's my thought. Okay. The very first murder was just a completely different true crime situation. It's completely unrelated. Well, nothing murderous has happened since. We've just had a disappearance and everybody's like freaking out. So, I mean, maybe there's a murderer, but like I think it's going to be something that I can't anticipate if that makes sense. I think more narrative should just have one scene that's completely unrelated and you just have to figure out <laughs> which one it is. Exactly. Well, up next, we have Emery Chase. Emery, your predictions was the doctor and yourself, Irene. Do you still believe this? Well, I kind of hit correct on the doctor because I think it was like pretty bluntly stated last episode, he at least tried to kill the heiress. So go me. And then I don't know about Irene. I think she's definitely one of the people who is like more suspicious at this point. Because yeah, it is a little weird that she didn't check the voicemail more promptly, especially since she was like confronted about having heard from Felicity and said no. So that's a little bit sus. But 
The other thing I'm wondering, because I, I suspect either John or Irene, right? But we know that Drew was originally supposed to play the doctor before something happened. So like, did that thing happen on purpose and the doctor was always supposed to be the equivalent of John? Or was the doctor supposed to be the equivalent of Drew? So Drew's the bad guy, but then something... I'm not articulating this well, but like, I know y'all know what I mean. So... <laughs> right, right. Was Drew supposed to be the bad guy in real life and then something happened? Or was he always supposed to be gotten rid of? I don't know. Some like wibbly-wobbly, murdery-wordery stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Because everyone's clearly like an allegory for them. So if John's the bad guy, then that means that Drew was killed on purpose so that John could be the doctor. So we have some comments from Twitch. Official Mickey fan club says, make them guess. And Veronica says, I don't know cop out Kev. <laughs> so we are going to be upping the stakes for the rest of your introductions. I would love to give official Mickey fan club what they asked for. Gotta support the fans here. So from this point on, no more I don't know. That's your answers. You've been called out, Kevin. Make them guess. <laughs> okay, I'll change my answer to Felicity. It's my official guess. Okay. Quote me on it. She did sleep with someone in her missing brother's bedroom. So, I mean, that's not the mark of someone with a lot of integrity. <laughs> I didn't do that. I don't know. You were there, but it wasn't your missing brother. So. <laughs> but you knew. You knew it was new. No, I'd like to officially disassociate myself from John as well. <laughs> I don't want to be taking on responsibility for this. I didn't even know what I was getting into. No, whoever's the murderer is just getting arrested immediately after the stream. Didn't you guys read your contracts? <laughs> we were going straight to jail. Oh, those, that's the sirens outside? Oh. Yeah, just how like we've been holding Eric in a basement for the past however many weeks. <laughs> Let me out. <laughs> yeah, we have to do that, that complete bastardization of what method acting really is and actually do the thing. Because imaginations don't exist. <laughs> anyway, Maggie Behan, your guesses were Artie and Felicity or the heiress. Still stand by your statements. That's interesting. I have zero recollection of accusing Felicity or the heiress. So that's kind of fun to have that uh, pop back up. I'm going to say that I would not, I would still not be surprised if it were Artie. He's just got awful vibes. But realistically, the actual prediction is I do think the most evidence points to John slash the doctor as both, like both real life and inside the broadcast, the murderers. But we will see. I would love personally if Artie made his grand return as the murderer. Like we see him come back in cuffs. That's it. The end. Fingers crossed. So we'll have to start staging a perp walk for Eric. <laughs> I don't even get any lines. It's just looking down. <laughs> we just for about 30 seconds just hear chains rattling. And speaking of Eric, Eric Anderson, your guess was John and Sebastian. Uh, okay. So I think John is still a good guess. Sebastian seems to be out of the window here. But yeah, John's always been a little sketchy skis ball. So uh, sticking by with John inside the story, I think uh, the doctor, John and the doctor, let's make it a solid twofer. Okay. Yeah. You answered my next question, which was who do you think did it within the audio drama? But there you go. And last but not least, we have the heiress herself, Paige Elena. Paige, you said Artie and the Gardener. Do you still think it's Artie and the Gardener? No, I think I'm with Eric on this one now. I think it's John and the Doctor. 
Do you think you're dead? I think I, I, I think the heiress is a goner. I don't know. I don't know if she survived last episode, but if she did survive last episode, she's not surviving this one. I know that for sure. I'm hoping Felicity is like a final girl because she had some final girl energy, but now she has more like Joker energy. So I don't <laughs> know if she's going to make it out either. <laughs> I might be losing both of them. <laughs> So no no more picking on Artie and the gardener. You're just going to go ahead and pick I'm on I'm not anymore. Yeah, I don't know what he's up to, but I don't think it's murder. Now, I don't think it's legal what he's doing, but I don't think it's murder. And the gardener, I mean, definitely didn't try and kill you because he's super dead. So <laughs> he's very dead. No, he's very dead. Gardner's very dead. So, yeah. One of the other lingering mysteries is you saw the ghost. The heiress, you saw the ghost of your father. I think they blamed that on the doctor, didn't they? Didn't they say that they... Oh, now I can't remember. But I thought at some point in the script that like the, the inspector knew it was like you were the ghost or something like that. I think Either she way, I think me be of being dressed up as the ghost. Yeah. I think it was just another moment of very confident accusations. Very confident, completely incorrect accusations. <laughs> That's what it was. But the doctor could have been giving Felicity, like, he could have been drugging her. She probably trusted him enough to, like, oh, here, you seem anxious, take this. And then it was, like, hallucinogens. Because he's also the only other, like, older man, right? Because the suitor and the gardener were both pretty young. So he's right. the only one who could I have looked so. like her dad. Or maybe the gardener was a DILF. We, I mean, we don't know what the house guest's type is. <laughs> or the gardener was a DILF. We can never rule out DILFs. <laughs> All we know was that the house guest was sleeping with him. We don't know. We don't know. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you don't know anything else. Fair enough. Could still be Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Could still be Patrick Swayze. Could still be Patrick Swayze. We can never rule out Patrick Swayze. Conspicuously absent from this conversation <laughs> has been Patrick Swayze. Uh-huh. Final thoughts before we go into the last script. How are you feeling, everybody? I just want to know who's holding that gun. Yeah, I'm super excited. <laughs> I've been so ready. That's <laughs> <laughs> the oh, range all week. Holding guns. Yeah, I'm just holding. Yeah, yeah I'm going to do uh, right there. Sorry. So anyway, <laughs> I started blasting. <laughs> So how are you feeling about ending everything? How are you emotionally? Do you need to talk? Are you okay? (laughs) Honestly, it came as a pretty big surprise to me. I did not think this was the finale. No, yeah, Paige and I were talking about that. We forgot that the last one was like wrap up. And so I thought we had two more episodes. And then Uh I saw the Instagram post that was like series finale. And I was like, what? I was like, whoa. I saw Kevin's post first about it being the finale, and I almost made fun of him. I was like, "You would, you would." I no, to be fair, I didn't know until I saw Caroline's. I saw Caroline's post, and because I, for some reason, I had it stuck in my head that next weekend was the last one. So even knowing, like, well, because we are streaming next weekend, it's like a talk back, but it's not the script. Did any of us remember tonight was the last script? Did anyone know? I did not. Patrick Swayze did. He's laughing at us all. Patrick Swayze always remembers. <laughs> Can't get anything past that guy. <laughs> but no, I'm very sad. I, as I've said a few times, I like really love this script. So I am very <laughs> sad to no longer be reading it once a week. Yeah, I just want Caroline to maybe like text me a random cliffhanger every week. Yeah, that'd be, oh my God. I would subscribe to that. That would be great, actually. Can we get in a group text with Caroline and just... Caroline, start a business. Your weekly cliffhanger text. 
context. No context cliffhangers. <laughs> no context at all. Caroline could probably make some pretty good money at somewhere like a mysterious package company putting together the, the mystery boxes that they send you every couple of weeks with different memorabilia and mysteries. That's always a lot of fun. This could be like a hunt a killer activity. I mean, I think they use cold cases for that, but like a spinoff. <laughs> well, if everyone is ready, Platform, could you please send us our final scripts for Caroline Lesney's The Broadcast? Actors, remember to change your names and give me a thumbs up when you have your script. While we're at it, would love to hear some final thoughts before we get into the conclusion from our Twitch chat. Does anyone else have predictions that they want to share with us? Anyone want to make fun of Artie one last time? <laughs> Anyone have any very random predictions or how does Patrick Swayze fit into everything? <laughs> Official Mickey fan club says, I predict Paige will do a wonderful job. Aww. Aww. That's my roommate. <laughs> Aww. Thanks, hon. Love you. <laughs> well, that's just a lazy prediction. That's obvious. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's lazy. I would say it's very thoughtful and backed up by cogent evidence. <laughs> we'll say low-hanging fruit. <laughs> so not necessarily lazy, but obvious. Not lazy, but low-hanging fruit. That's much better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have seen thumbs up from everyone. All right, let's go ahead and get started. The Broadcast, Episode 6, Story is King, by Caroline Lesney. The rose garden at dusk, a gasp. The heiress draws breath and sits bolt upright. The house guest screams as the suitor runs to help her prop herself up. The inspector falls back onto her hands, exhausted with relief. Thank God. Oh, thank God. That's it. Take a breath. Are you all right? God, you terrified us. Uh, <clears throat> woman's just had her heart restarted. Give her a minute. Don't worry, darling. Don't talk if you're not ready. Uh, I'll get a glass of water. And a blanket. Quickly now. No. <clears throat> the inspector holds out a hand to stop the suitor. Ms. Westwood? Doctor. Where's doctor? Back in the dimly lit hallway of Artie's apartment building, John has his hands raised to either side of his head. Felicity stands in the doorway, hands trembling around a pistol that is pointed directly at him. Felicity, what are you doing? You stay right where you are. Okay, okay. Just... Put the gun down, please, Felicity. If you come any closer, I'll shoot. I'll do it. I'm staying right here. You gotta let me go. Do you understand me? You won't be able to get away with this. You're, you're acting crazy. Felicity fires a shot at the fire sprinkler in the ceiling. It bursts open and triggers the system, sending water raining down on both of them. Jesus Christ! No one else is coming out of their apartments, John. Why is no one else coming out? Just tell me. Tell me what's happening to you, and I promise I'll help you fix it. It's the broadcast. The broadcast is happening to me. You're the doctor and I'm the heiress and Artie's, Artie's the gardener. And for all I know, he really is dead. And but he's not. I won't let you do it. I won't let you kill me too. Why would I want to kill you? Because you're the murderer. The doctor is. The doctor's the murderer and you're him and I'm her. And this is what happens next. You try to kill me. Felicity, I'm not going to kill you. No, you're not. No, you're not because I'm rewriting the script. By killing me first? Felicity, please. I don't know what's made you think this way, but you are not inside that story. Th this story is all your own. And you can choose not to do this. That's exactly the type of thing the doctor would say. Well, I'm not him. I made him up. I'm me, John, and I really like you. I, I, I could fall in love with you, Felicity. It wouldn't even be that hard. But I'd never want to kill you. It's just a character. Please, Felicity, put the gun down. The sprinkler is still beating down relentlessly. Felicity's hair is sopping, plastered to her forehead. 
and John's clothes are sticking to him. You've got a way with words. Has anyone ever told you that? Once in a while? Slowly, Felicity takes her finger off the trigger and lowers the gun. Then the door at the other end of the hallway bangs open and Irene runs through, cell phone in hand. Felicity! Felicity puts the safety on the gun and slides it behind her into Artie's apartment. Is that a gun? Irene, what are you doing here? I got your message. Everything all right? It will be. I just talked to Artie. What? What? On the phone. He, I think he was trying to call you, but it was definitely him. Alive? Apparently. Oh my God. What'd he say? Why has he been hiding? He wouldn't tell me. You need to take me to him or tell me where and I'll go alone. I need to get him back. I don't even know where he is, what, what he's doing, why even. He wouldn't say. He wouldn't say? No, that's, that's ridiculous. He must have told you. Maybe he was with someone else? If he wouldn't say where he is, how does he expect me to... Oh! She whips out her phone. What? I, I've been getting these emails all week. I, I thought they were spam, but here. This is a marketing email. Yeah, for a gardening center. You think? Why not? I mean, I never signed up for it. They just showed up. It's on theme, and there's an address. 654 Meyerwood Boulevard? I'm mapping us there now. Should we maybe think about this before we... <laughs> Have you got the keys? Yeah, but I... Then let's go. Irene's car is speeding down the dark, empty highway, horsepower buzzing under Irene in the driver's seat. Felicity sits beside her, arguing over her shoulder with John. Why this location? How do you know it's not a, a scam, a fraud, a trap even? I don't. Oh, God. I don't know why I agreed to this. Because it wouldn't be hard for you to fall in love with me. How far? Ten minutes at the most. She steps on the gas a little more, revving the engine. Felicity? It fits right in with how things have been going. A disappearance, an affair, now a greenhouse. Everything else is coming true. Why not this? It's too much of a coincidence. Right. A totally sound system. Tell me again. Exactly. What did he say to you? Uh, uh, he, he said it's not to do with the drugs and just that he's somewhere out of the way. But because of who he's with, he couldn't talk for long. I don't know if that sounds better or worse than the drugs thing. What else? He asked me to tell you. It was important to him. He said, tell me my, tell my sister my car got stolen. Why would he say that? No one would ever steal his car. That thing's a piece of... What? It's this thing we used to do. When our mom died, we, we had to get carted around a lot. So we made up things to tell each other when we wanted out of a situation without alerting the people we were with. The more expensive the item should have been, the faster we needed the other one's help. Like a cipher. So... What does it mean that his car got stolen? It means he's in a lot of trouble. We'd better hurry. Irene guns it and the car shoots forward. I just remembered there's something else. What is it? It, it was the first thing right out of the static. He said, Felicity, and then don't come. The car speeds on. Soon they are standing outside an abandoned warehouse. The filthy facade looming before the three of them in the dark. Felicity and John are looking at it warily. Could he have picked anything creepier? I like it. It's cinematic. It certainly makes a statement. Yeah. I'll go check out the entrance. She runs off through a shallow puddle toward the warehouse doors. Felicity, before we go in, you should think about what I said. This could be a trap. I don't think it is. But it could be. Yes, it could be. And Artie could be behind it. I know my brother, John. You didn't know about the drugs. You didn't even know if he was alive until tonight. I I'm just saying, be prepared. I am. Inside the warehouse, Irene, John, and Felicity creep cautiously through the huge doors that echo metallically at the gentlest touch. Felicity steps in a puddle. Watch that. It's quiet, except for the drip of water and the occasional scurry of some creature or another. 
They round another corner, and even through the dark, Felicity sees him. Artie! She moves forward, but John grabs her wrist. Sure? I'll be careful. You two wait here. Felicity moves forward, still hidden, until she can see her brother fully. He's pacing lazy circles and stops when he hears her call. Artie? No. No, Felicity? Where are you? What's happening, Artie? I'm not coming out until I can trust you. Trust me? Trust me? You have no idea what's happening here. I'm the one who spent the last week feeling like I'm going crazy because I can't keep my real life and my fake one apart. If you're doing it, I have to find a way to stop you. Me doing it? I I only just broke out of it. Out of what? Tell me what's going on. Where are you? Cautiously, Felicity moves out from behind a tower of crates. Thank God. It's really you. Of course it's me. What are you doing here? You sent the code you needed help. I also said not to come. I know, but I brought backup. Are you okay? What is happening? Artie has clapped eyes on the two people behind Felicity, who have just edged out into the main space. Artie? You brought... Why would you bring them here? They came to help. Felicity, you need to run. Now! Run? You can trust them. Irene told me everything. It's not her I'm afraid of. What? Suddenly, Irene cries out. Felicity whips around to see her drop to the floor, bashed over the head, the plank of wood that did the job pinging off the concrete floor beside her. John rubs out his hand. He flashes Felicity a dazzling smile. It's me. In the library at Sterling Manor, the fire crackles loudly. The heiress is wrapped in a blanket beside the house guest. The suitor is staring into his glass of gin. The inspector sits a short distance away, watching the flames. She turns suddenly to the house guest. The paramedics on their way, madam. I'd prefer to have Ms. Westwood in the hospital as soon as I can. They're sending an ambulance and two squad cars for an escort. Excellent. How long did they say? Ten minutes at the most. Perfect. How much did I get right then? Out of interest. The house guest tosses back her liquor. She pours another. (sighs) Almost everything. The gardener did send me to kill Westwood. What? I couldn't go through with it. I loved the old man. Almost as much as my lover hated him. When I came up the stairs to his study on Saturday night, the lights were still on. He couldn't sleep. I talked with him until he thought he could. And then I went home. He was so delighted to see me. It's okay. Fascinating. The human heart. You were wrong about one thing, Inspector. I did love Robert. I always will. She finishes her second drink. The fire pops loudly. Forgive me, Inspector, but shouldn't you be looking for the doctor? He'll turn up eventually. Only the cowardly run, and the cowardly are no threat to us. Eris puts down her mug of tea. Her voice is still raw, but she sounds stronger. Why did he do it, Inspector? And how could he have killed my father? The doctor wasn't even in the house when he died. I had to call him myself the next morning. Ah, yes. I figured you'd ask. I don't want to sound morbid, but I'm dying to know. The Inspector gets up and heads toward the fireplace. The logs are crackling happily. She allows the heat to warm her legs and toes, and then she turns. Why does anyone do anything, really? Because they want something. And the doctor never got what he really wanted, so he killed for the second best thing. What is the one thing we decided earlier is a stronger motive for murder than money? Love. Yes, love. Love is that intoxicating thing which mixes up the senses and impairs judgment as completely as a glass of whiskey. The doctor had love with nowhere to go, and it turned him into a killer. So really, Ms. Westwood, it all comes down to your mother. My mother? I thought it was rather obvious. 
The photograph, the Tolstoy quotation, War and Peace. Yes, your mother, who the doctor has loved his whole life despite her marriage to your father. Think about it, a young man at home with his aging parents and young sisters when suddenly a beautiful young woman comes in as the governess? Hell, I'd be in love. Then your buddy goes home while you're stuck at war and snatches her up before you can get back? He said it himself. She was always too good for him. I could have made Westwood's fortune if I wanted to. They were the same in every respect. Their station, their looks, their wealth and upbringing. The doctor being perhaps the slightly superior. To the doctor, the only reason your mother chose your father over him was Westwood's ambition for money. She wanted a better life for her children than she had had. We were very lucky children. When the doctor found out Westwood was altering his will to all but cut out his daughter, Grace's daughter, the last remaining piece of his lost love, a girl with a remarkable resemblance to her mother. He planned the murder to stop what he saw as a great injustice. To the doctor, he was upholding Grace's dream. But that's wrong. My mother was a teacher. She would have wanted the money to go where it's going. You're all so selfless. It's quite sickening. How can you love someone and not know them at all? He thought he did, and that's what counts. What the doctor didn't know was that young Miss Westwood had agreed to the change in inheritance. When I told you all earlier this afternoon, he flew into a rage. Cleverly concealed, I admit, but a rage nonetheless. She had betrayed him, betrayed her own mother even, for agreeing to this reversal of Grace's life's work. This casual discarding of wealth made his own lifelong torment, his own sacrifice, entirely worthless. He decided Miss Westwood could not be saved, poisoned by her father's influence. So he decided to kill her the same way he killed her father. Luckily, I got there first. But Westwood was pushed out a window. Uh, that's where I was wrong, where we all were wrong. Let's go back to that day. We know where all of you were leading up to the murder. Visiting Lionel. Going over the will. Meeting the gardener in the greenhouse. But the doctor was in Westwood's bedroom administering his medicine. In Westwood's bedroom, three days ago. All right, last dose for the day, you old junkie. Think you'll survive with me for one night, without me. <laughs> I'll certainly try. I can't believe you get to go mingle with all those lovely nurses. <laughs> I could die with jealousy. Oh, it's work. Have fun. I'll certainly try. Back in the library. Heart problems. You told me just after meeting me, Miss Westwood. Like any good doctor, he had a number of drugs with him. Among them, the barbiturates he used to routinely lower Westwood's high heart rate and treat his chest pain, and epinephrine, which raises the heart rate. It's like an extra shot of adrenaline to the bloodstream of whoever takes it. It wouldn't take much to affect someone like Westwood, just a routine dose of the wrong drug to an already high-pressure-prone heart. That day, the doctor injected Westwood with the wrong medication, packed up his needle, took his medical bag to the car, and drove up to Albany for the medical conference. If all had gone to plan, Westwood would have died in his sleep that night and been found dead of a heart attack the next morning, completely unsuspicious for a man plagued by a chronically weak heart. He must have planned for weeks, the snake. It was ingenious. The doctor committed the murder hours before it would have taken place. By the time Westwood had taken his last breath, the doctor was safely accounted for upstate, the perfect alibi. But I still don't understand. If the doctor was gone, who pushed my father? Ah, see, that's where the plan went wrong. The doctor didn't account for Westwood's nightmares, getting worse all the time. You told me yesterday that the doctor underestimated their strength. Yes, he, 
He didn't take it seriously when I asked him, barely made a change in his treatment. Those vivid visions meant that Westwood was still awake in the early hours of Saturday morning, only now with a pounding head and a strangely racing heart. We know what happens next. Our lovely guest pays Westwood a visit from the pool house, finds him in his study, opens the window for fresh air, chats for a bit and leaves. But then something unexpected, something that changes everything. Westwood looks out the window. But surely he's looked out the window before. It's not the window itself. It's what he sees. A pale figure floating across the grass, bobbing in the middle distance. My ghost. Precisely. But what he really sees, and what you saw just last night, Miss Westwood, is your house guest in her white dressing gown going back to the pool house. I dare say there have been a lot of late night trips across the grounds of recently to, say, visit the gardener. Yes, Well, you all know now anyway, there were. Excellent fodder for nightmares. So that night, Westwood sees you walk across the grounds and mistakes you for a ghost. Maybe his son, maybe the vision of the bride that you would have been. Either way, he's entranced. He's not himself, and we know he's very active during these episodes. He climbs onto the open windowsill to get a closer look. It's at that moment, framed in the large window with his housecoat billowing in the night wind, that the doctor's drugs take their deadly effect and stop his heart. Westwood topples out the window head first, not a jump, not a push, but a fall, and lands in the garden below. He was dead before he hit the ground. Isn't that right, doctor? <gasps> The others whip around in their chairs to see the doctor standing in the doorway. The inspector produces a revolver from her coat and points it at the doctor. How did you figure it out? Besides you running for the hills, that is? I had all the pieces. I just had to put them together. Now, are you going to turn yourself in or do something very, very stupid? I was close, though, wasn't I, to getting away with it? The one thing I didn't think of was that the medications had been switched. Luckily, you gave that information to me with your last failed murder attempt. Did that thrill you, Doctor, fooling us all before our very eyes? People are inherently stupid, Inspector, and I deal with them every day. I rarely thrill at the fooled anymore. Is that so? Do you thrill at the captured? Every time. One last question, Doctor, before you make your decision. Yes? The gardener. Why did he have to die? He cut himself. Oh. Oh, of course. He cut himself so he had to die? He figured me out. He saw the extra medication labels looking for a bandage. If he wasn't a clumsy fool, he'd still be alive. You left your bag in the garage fixing the boy's car. Stupid of me, really. Mr. Westwood found it too when you did your pathetic pantomime of hiding her away. She was on her way to the garden with it to find you, but I got there first. I saved her, Doctor. You failed. That's true, but can you save her again? The glimmer of a syringe in the doctor's hand reflecting in the firelight and... A shot rings out from the inspector's pistol. She hits the doctor square in the shoulder and he goes down hard, the syringe shattering on the hardwood. The inspector stalks over, gun still raised, to assess the injury that now matches the one of the doctor's dead friend. I only did what I thought was right. Don't worry, doctor. An ambulance is already on its way. Charles as the inspector looks down at her culprit and smiles. The music cuts out abruptly. We are back in the warehouse. Felicity and Artie are breathing hard, watching John as he walks slowly toward them. It's wonderful, isn't it? The final twist, the piece de resistance. When it pays off. If you're going to kill us now, you might as well get it over with. And destroy all my hard work? I have to admit, you giving me the slip was impressive before it was annoying. It's my own fault for writing characters with intensely hard heads. I have to stop that. Terrible habit. What are you talking about? What's happening? John? 
John? Oh, you sound so scared. It's sort of sweet. Tell me what this is before I come over there and bash your head in like you did Irene's. Oh, not so sweet. I'm surprised you didn't figure it out, actually. You're supposed to be the smart one. You didn't give me much of a chance. What am I supposed to have figured out then? That I'm the writer. Bit of an anti-climax, isn't it? Not of the radio show. I wrote that too, but that's not important. I'm the writer of this, of you, of every step you've taken since you sprung into being, of Felicity and Artie, Irene and Missy, even Sebastian, the director. You think he was ever really in charge? What are you talking about? I'm alive. I'm a person. I'm not some, uh, some... Fictional character? Where were you born? Okay, where did you move to LA from then? What's your college degree in? What's your last name? How did your mom die? Uh, I, I, well, you can't answer because they don't exist. It doesn't matter what came before this. This is all there is. You're made up from my imagination. You're a character. You're mine. No, 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 no. That can't be right. We're not real, Felicity. None of this ever was. I've got to get out of here. She starts to move toward the front of the warehouse. No, you don't. She lurches to a stop. What's happening? I can't. Move, Artie, I can't move. Go over there. She does. Now hit him. Go on. She smacks Artie across the face. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You've made your point. Nothing personal, you know. He never liked me. Obviously, I was right. Oh, shut up. Artie grasps at his throat, suddenly unable to talk. Let him go. I thought we should chat first, without interruptions. Why are you doing this to us? To you? Well, it's not about you. It's about the drama. Story is king. Everything has always been about the story. Everything. A story can be whatever you want it to, as long as you're brave enough to make it your own. And this one has been very interesting. No. No, I know you better than that. Please. I let you think that. No, I do, because you made yourself the doctor, and that told me everything I needed to know. I'm nothing like him. I think you're exactly like him. Sad, lonely, and you think you have the right to play God. I am God! No, you're not. You're a half-decent artist who can't bear not being in control. Is there anything for you outside this world, or are you really all alone? Me alone? Why else would someone write themselves into a fiction? You're the one that's alone. You're not even real. But I've got a brother and a friend, and for a minute, I I even had you. Written or not, they mean something to me, and that's more than you can say about them. They're not real people. No, real people can leave you, can't they, John? But you can't. Maybe not. You forgot I'm a writer, too. And story isn't anything if it doesn't make you feel something. Did it at least do that? How could it? When I knew where it was going all along. You're empty, hollow, and apparently you've only got one story. For now, and I think it's time for it to end. From the ground, something starts to rumble. It comes up through the foundations of the building, into their feet, and out the tops of their heads. John hurries toward the exit. You wrote yourself in. Goodbye, Felicity. Come back. John turns on his heel and stalks toward Felicity. What? No! He stops with effort. You screwed yourself over, John. You wrote yourself in. And if this really is the broadcast, that means you go down in the end and we make it out. The floor and walls start to shake. John, unsteady on his feet, skids and almost falls as the lights overhead sway and spark loudly. It's not in his control. It's someone else. I can change the ending. I have more than one story. Artie, talk to me. You motherfucker. Welcome back. How? 
You messed up. You made me the protagonist. I made everything about you. But it's my story, and I decide what happens next. You'll tear it apart. You said it yourself, John. It's my choice. You only need to be strong enough to take control of it. Chunks of the wall start coming down. A panel from the metal ceiling falls onto the concrete with a crash. John is screaming more at the warehouse than at Felicity herself. I said stop! I'm the writer, me! Felicity, how are you doing this? I don't really know. I just want it to happen, and it's happening. Could you bring it down? Felicity looks at him. He's closest to John, right under the support beams. Felicity nods, slowly. If you have the chance, do it. But Artie... Don't make me argue, Fel. I told you I'd take care of it. I don't care. Let me make good on that now. The ground is shaking worse than ever. Felicity is struggling to keep her balance. Felicity, please. None of that was a lie for me. Not us, and I know I couldn't write you to feel that way for me. I know, and that makes it so much worse. Keep me around then. What's life without a good love story? A dull thunk and a cry of pain from John. From behind, Irene has awoken and smashed John across the head with the same plank used against her. You can find a better love story than that. Irene! Artie takes the chance to dive on a dazed John. Now, Felicity, now! She grabs Irene and runs, metal and smashing glass as the roof starts to cave in. Artie! With a final deafening crash, the warehouse crumbles down into itself, shaking the ground and leveling everything beneath it. Silence. The dust clears. Felicity and Irene cough, emerging from the rubble onto the fresh air above. They gasp at it, brush off their clothes, clutch at each other. <laughs> Felicity? I'm here, I'm here. What happened? Where's Artie? We should go. The two women stumble over the rubble, out toward the car. The sun is just barely coming up, tinting the sky dark blue. Do you think it was real? He was writing us into his story? I don't know, but either way, he can't anymore. He said there are people listening to this. Like, right now? Felicity shrugs. She peers around her and wanders away from Irene, throws her arms wide. Hello? Can you hear us? Who are you? Nothing. What do you think? Felicity trips over the asphalt, neck crane toward the sky, searching for microphones, eavesdroppers, anything to explain what- Hey, cut that out. She turns back to Irene, a question in her- I said shut it. Oh. I- Irene froze her brow at- For me too, jackass. Uh, me? Yeah, you. We're in charge now, got that? <sighs> do you think she's gone? Maybe. Yeah. I think so. Do you think the rest are still listening? Hello? Anybody? I don't think they can answer back. Why not? I don't know. That's just how it works. Um, hi, I guess. I, I don't really know what other way to start this. Um, if you're out there and you can hear me, uh, my name's Felicity. I'm 24 years old. I live in Los Angeles, California, and I don't have any idea who I am. Keep going. Uh, uh, well, this was my story, our story, or uh, the beginning of it, at least. We're going to write the rest of it now ourselves, so I don't know, it might get a little boring from here on out. You know, actually, I hope it does. Um, so thanks for listening, I guess, but uh, now we're going to go. Is that it? I guess so. Goodbye, everybody. I hope you all have wonderful stories. All right, that is a wrap on the broadcast, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, nice. to be clear, Artie did it. 
<laughs> yeah, awesome. The arty slander never stops. I'd just like to say that I guess that ending from the start. Yeah, actually, that's another mental level. <laughs> I'm just clairvoyant. Caroline, is that kind of what you were looking for? Oh, she's... Okay, you're, you're muted. Caroline? Caroline? Nope, she's frozen. I... Yep, and she's gone. All right, we'll check in with her later. Can't imagine she'd say no. I mean, you guys killed it. Yeah, and also it's Caroline. Okay, so we're good then? Yes, actors, you are free. That was awesome. It was so great to work with everyone. Aw, seriously. James has to go. (laughs) (laughs) Real world prohibition cast party? Yes. Amazing. Let's do it soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. All right, see you guys. The sound of a video call (laughs) ending. Music out. End of episode six. End of the broadcast. Actors, (laughs) how are we feeling? (laughs) Can't believe he did it. (laughs) Oh man, (laughs) my brain's mush right now. (laughs) Uh, What the hell, Caroline? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't like that. (laughs) That made me uncomfortable. Thoroughly unnerved. An explainer with like what exactly happened? Because I don't know if they. Okay, so who was in on this? Gabe, obviously, I know you were in on it. (laughs) Gabe says, "Uh." Like in on the ultimate end. Were you in on it, Gabe? Like in on in on the (laughs) fact that at the end of the script is our names. Who was in on this? Technically, no. Oh, so you're just reading along and you're like, "Fuck, I've got lines." Yeah, what's technically? Technically, he's doing a lot of heavy lifting there. No, until receiving the script. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, then kudos for just rolling with suddenly having lines as our technical director. <laughs> <laughs> Great job running with it, everyone. Well, I hate and love how she wrote all of the lines in a way that, like, I don't think we had to try too hard. I was like, oh, my God, this is what we would say. Oh, no, we've all said stuff like that before. <laughs> I feel very stalked. This matches our speech patterns concerningly well. I know. (laughs) Felt far too perceived there. (laughs) (laughs) We're in a simulation. It's like quadruply meta now. She absolutely nailed your cadences. Just I know. Brilliant job, Caroline. Spooky. This was just a long con for Caroline to send us all into existential crises for like a night or two. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Slash flex on everybody. She was like, look, I know you. Oh my gosh, what a flex. Yeah, we'll see these like meta twists. It definitely land in in one way when you're reading it, but when you're actually performing it and live with no prior knowledge of what's coming. (laughs) And had no idea it existed. (laughs) And you're reading for the character that is you. Yep, like Maggie said, existential crisis, just for transparency here. So I was not in on it, but I do get the script a little bit before you do simply to give me some ideas as to what kind of questions to ask ask you. I did not get to the part where (laughs) my actual directions are part of the dialogue. So that actually threw me off as well. I didn't know who I was yelling at at (laughs) first. I was like, okay, (laughs) shut up. I figured it out and it was... (laughs) Yeah, I knew who done it and and I knew what was going to happen, but it was mostly just from reading the dialogue and and scrolling through it. So so thank you for making me a character, Caroline. It felt like the camera just kept like zooming out at the end there because it was like, okay, it's meta in that like John was, you know, orchestrating everything to match the like 
the radio drama with his real world. Okay, that's one level. <laughs> and then it was yeah. another level. <laughs> another. But then it was like, now we're in the Matrix. I need to know, like, what's the context? Like, does John live in the future where this is like an option? Like a VR situation? For you, like a VR simulator? Yeah, well, you know that like Black Mirror episode where the guy like has that game? It's like a Star Trek parody Yes, the Star Trek one. That's what I was thinking of the whole time. Yeah. 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 My mind, has anyone here watched Red Dwarf? Oh, it's been so long. It's an old British TV show. They had a whole episode about like the guys were like playing in these simulated realities. And that's where my mind went. I've not seen a lot of Black Mirror. So instead, I've got this obscure 80s TV show reference for you. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just keep listing media it reminded us of. I felt like we were in the Truman Show, only more insane. I think that was mentioned at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Someone said Truman Show. I swear, we made Truman Show jokes like early days. I think someone did. We also made jokes about it being a third layer out and we were right. We did. Yeah. We like laughingly kind of. It's very Twilight Zone. Poked at what happened. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Caroline, you're not in control. Wouldn't it be crazy if it was all a simulation? (laughs) Yeah, Caroline. We're writers too. All of us. (laughs) Yeah. It's still spooky how well she got our speech patterns. I know. That's really spooky. I don't like that, Caroline. <laughs> Literally, the fact, was it the James's line that was... No, but James would say that. Unfortunately, not delivered live tonight when he was like, I'd just like to say that I guessed that ending from the start. I was like, that's literally what he said before we started, basically. He would say that. And I've been making arty slander jokes this whole time. Yeah. Like, I know. I just had to come in hot out of the gate with, I think it was already still. And I do. <laughs> I, you and I have been on the arty hate train like the whole time. Yeah. Well, okay, wait, I still don't. So John wrote that Artie, oh, was that just a way to like get Artie like away? Like the fake drug? Who was Quinn? (laughs) (laughs) I want want a sequel, a sequel and or spinoff with Quinn and Drew. If he's writing all of this, why the extra steps? (laughs) But they're both just Eric. (laughs) Actually, I just want a buddy comedy that's Quinn, Drew, and the Newsy. That's just going to be like, yeah. For the drama. Yeah. It was like, there was so many extra steps to achieving whatever John achieved. And I'm not even positive what he got out of this. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he's dead, apparently. Oh, here we go. Yeah, he got killed. That's what he got out of it. So, Caroline says in the Twitch chat... Yeah. I've been listening. Well, God, I hope so. Um, well delivered, Meredith. That's exactly how I chose to receive it. Incredible. Thank yeah. you. Very spooky and haunting. Spooky season, everyone. We've all been... Yeah, it is Halloween. So something that I enjoyed, and this is something that I hope to perhaps Caroline's brain about, is that that writing in a lot of ways is a very selfish and internal practice. And I say this as a writer, not as an outsider looking in. And that's kind of something that this reminded me of is thinking about like how we are so precious about the worlds that we create sometimes. It also reminds me of the, the idea that you have to kill your darlings. I do actually think that in a very twisted way, John did love Felicity, but it was a very like selfish, possessive kind of love that you have for your creation. And she picks up on that 
It was funny, though, because it's like, it's because like he wrote himself into this universe where he's the god of the universe, but it was still just like a slow burn crush. Like you would think like what? That was the best he could imagine. Yeah, what <laughs> level of self-loathing do you have to be? You would think that you would write, oh, and she's in love with me and she's obsessed. Like he's like, nah, we're like kind of into each other. We don't really do anything about it. In John's <laughs> wildest imagination. <laughs> To be fair, I think that's actually less sad. Le- I guess. Yeah, I guess it's less sad than... <laughs> I think it would be more sad if you're like, they are in love with me and you just skip the whole, like, any development. That's true. He, he wanted to be wooed. <laughs> that's worth it. He wanted it to feel real. Uh, yeah. yeah. He wanted to have an authentic Matrix romance. You know, like, the real experience. <laughs> yeah. The 3D slow deep burn. dive. John Slowburn <laughs> fanfic. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, no one else would write it for him, so. <laughs> he tried. He was all up on Craigslist. <laughs> so before we wrap up, we are going to do some talk, but I would like to remind everyone that we are going to have on Caroline for a big chat and reflection at the same time next week. So if you have questions about her ideas, her processes. Quick pause. I think it's not next week. I think it is the following week. Gabe, if you want to fact check us here so that I'm not spewing lies. Is it? The 23rd? No, the following week is Halloween, so... I'm pretty sure... Well, yeah, isn't it the 23rd? I think it's the 23rd. I think it's next week. Well, we'll wait. <laughs> yeah, this is the real cliffhanger. I don't know why we'd skip a week. Uh, the inspector always... No, this is the cliffhanger. When's it going to happen? Do you know our Instagram handle? I got my info directly from Greg. No, no, from Gabe. I can't name right because I'm writing my reality as. Caroline says, Kevin... Tell them how much you knew. Kevin, how much did you know? This is where I think we should end the talk so that we can have a nice cliffhanger for our talk. Kevin, how much did you know? Is that I knew I was the murderer the whole time. From episode (laughs) one, I knew. I I didn't know about the whole triple meta thing, but I did know that I was the murderer the whole time. I assumed the person would have it. Okay, so she did put it in the info. I was always wondering if that was in the info packet. But I also thought that they might not because that might make it fun if nobody had or they I was hoping they would at least get it before like a villain reveal like if Kevin got it before this episode at the very least yeah but no that's fine okay that also makes sense that you knew the whole <laughs> yes. I'm hoping that adds some kind of rewatch value I'm gonna okay I'm gonna, I'm gonna be really honest there were a couple there were a couple acting choices where I was like boy I hope he knows he's the murderer because I was a little creeped out by that flirting and <laughs> Boy, I hope he's the murderer and this isn't just how he's doing it. So it was good. So you were. So that means you've been having yes. to make fake yeah. predictions about <laughs> lying about your predictions. Double performance for you. Yes. This whole thing has been like a double performance where I'm like, oh my God, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be crazy if I was the murderer? Yeah. Kevin's canceled. Kevin's been gaslighting all of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Caroline is just doxing me. This whole thing, she was like, I want to see if we can make him look the worst possible. Veronica in chat said, he didn't even tell me. What the heck? (laughs) Okay, he's definitely canceled. That would be my girlfriend, yeah. (laughs) Ooh. The commitment. Yeah, it's all right. It's method. I mean, to be fair, if I knew I was the killer, I probably wouldn't have told my partner either. (laughs) I'd be like, no, you have to watch it. Tough. (laughs) Make him watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have words after this. Even if my mommy asked me on her deathbed, I would just be like, no, mommy, you have to stay alive long enough to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I just tune in live. Yeah. Just so we're clear, I actually had no idea until roughly maybe 15 minutes before you did. So incredible. 
I was left just as much in the dark for the most part. Like I said, I get them a little bit ahead of time just to know what questions to ask you. But honestly, you all have such great insights that, you know, almost doesn't matter. Just build off what you're talking about and what you're saying. And what's Eric's final death count? We did pick up on a a lot of things, actually. I'm quite proud of us. You did. (laughs) What's Eric's final death count? You died a lot of times. Eric, you died a lot. (laughs) And I didn't get to die once dramatically. (laughs) Hey, you just got crushed in a building. Because Artie, well, Artie wasn't dead, but like... Yeah, it's like always off screen. That's just brutal. Gardner's dead. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you voice Drew? Did someone voice Drew? And like, I, no, I, I think Drew. that was the young man at the beginning. Yeah. The very beginning. So oh, yeah. You, yes, you voiced young man. Oh, that was, that was very dramatic. Drew. Never mind. You died yeah. as the gardener. <laughs> yeah. You died a lot. Yeah, that's me, master of demise. Job, Sean Beam. (laughs) So as we kind of drift out towards the end of our conclusion, did Artie really die if he wasn't actually real? Something to think about when you talk to Caroline next week. We love a good, yeah, philosophy question. Can they just conjure him again in this like VR space they live in now? Can Felicity (laughs) and Irene remain as the gods of this universe? (laughs) I will think of nothing else until... (laughs) Also, where are Missy and Sebastian? Are they like just still out there? (laughs) They're somewhere. Oh my gosh. How do we break the news? I know my girl Missy is still out there. (laughs) This is an incredibly elaborate universe. Well, these are all questions that we can ask Caroline next week. So come prepared, everybody. Thank you so much again for joining us. It was a great honor to work with all of you and perform with all of you. Had a really wonderful time. I'm looking forward to the wrap up and, and everything next week. So just one more time. Thank you, Meredith. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Cold Cuts is based on an original idea by our writing producer, Declan Grogan. Music by Vincenzo Torsiello. The broadcast is written by Caroline Lesney. We do this every Saturday. And every Tuesday, the videos are posted on YouTube and the audio will be available on all streaming platforms. Make sure to follow us online at Platform Prodco, P-L-A-T-F-O-R-M-P-R-O-D-C-O on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Thank you so much again for joining us. We've had a really great time to all of you that have tuned in, all of you that have left comments. We'll hope that you come next week just as prepared with questions as the actors because I'm really looking forward to hearing about Caroline's thought processes while writing this. So thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful night. We'll see you next Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. 